We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Report, Week 10. Excited to uh, be back, be joined by Madison Parkhill again. Uh, Madison, how's it going? Doing pretty well. Uh, Joining a, a good a good uh, slate of NFL games, highlighted by Bills Vikings, which are two of my favorite teams and have some of my favorite players. So uh, glad to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah, we can hop right in with this uh, this Vikings game. I mean... Obviously, you have the amazing catch by Justin Jefferson, but just the the stat line he put up is pretty incredible too. Um, yeah, I don't even know if I have a question, but uh, how we can just all, all sit back just and marvel about the Justin Jefferson. JJ. Right? Yeah, um, yeah. He, I mean, you know, the I guess the question about the team as a whole is kind of you know how are they going to incorporate Hawkinson now? Um, what's that going to mean for the volume for the other receivers and? This was an overtime game, so I don't know how how much it tells us, but, I mean, do you think uh, this answered a lot of questions, or do you still have a lot? I think the, the Vikings generally still want to be a, a pass-first team. Um, very slightly. We've seen them be slightly above average in pass rate over expectation so far this year, um, but they're especially heavy on passing on first down, which when you have Justin Jefferson, that's probably a, a smart thing to do. We've and so far through two weeks, I, I was surprised how quickly Hawkinson got up to speed, um, but he's been a pretty consistent underneath option. We've seen Cousins, especially when pressured, uh, go to him. So I think those are the, the type of matchups you'll look forward in, in the future where if you, know, if you expect the Vikings to have to throw and he has some short options, then Hawkinson um, will see a lot of targets. Uh, obviously, Jefferson's still going to get his. It's just who he is. He's that good. Um, but at the cost of Thielen and maybe some of the, the tertiary options, I think Hawkinson will be a pretty solid uh, start every week type tight end in this offense. Yeah, I'm very much with you on that one. Um, it was really frustrating to see Hawkinson get almost no usage early on. And then it wasn't until the second half that they really unleash him. I mean, the, the thing that I think is really tilting me a little bit more and is really frustrating is really just sort of how um, much of a zero Adam Thielen really is on this offense, unless the defense truly leaves him just completely uncovered. Like, I think most of his r- yards today came on one broken play. Um, yeah, 21 of his uh, 49 yards came on one big broken play with the defense just just did it was like a like a short little pass to the flat and like you you would expect that like, a cornerback to just wrap him up and it should be like 3 yards and there was no one there and he just sort of kept running and kept running and that was like that was how he got like you know about 45%, 47% of his yards. 
Um, whereas Hawkinson's got the juice. I don't know. I mean, like he looks like realistically, you would want Hawkinson to really be getting those looks and not Thielen, right? Yeah, I think so. I, I think Thielen's role is much more of a um, when they they want to they, they leave a safety over the top of Jefferson, um, Hawkinson on a linebacker, Thielen on an, on a corner. The Hawkinson seems like the the place to go. But if you can get Thielen isolated on a safety or a linebacker, that's kind of where he's at in his career. He's no longer a downfield burner it's more of a pure slot receiver which is fine um it's a nice option but i think the days of of elite you know feeling performances i don't i don't think he's had 100 yards this year it's been uh, it's much more of the you know eight nine yard eight out type eight out type routes um which is useful um but obviously with hawkinson and his yak ability that's something we, I'd, I'd like to see them feature a little bit more going forward yeah and i mean realistically like Thielen never was like a deepish threat kind of guy right like um like like he had he they really like he cooked the most just when he was they were able to get him lined up against linebackers and just having him go up against guys who were slower than him really and he's able to just make these moves whereas Hawkinson's essentially I mean frankly he is that version of Thielen it's just frustrating they're not willing to give him that kind of shot I mean when you look at how much or what the Vikings sent for Hawkinson they truly think that there is a place for him in this offense. You know what I mean? Like they truly believe that he can be that guy. And we've seen, I mean, lots of tight ends move tight ends specifically in that, in, in, in that role. Thielen was the one who was playing it when Diggs was there. Um, they need Hawkinson to step up. And it's just so weird that we're talking about all these like auxiliary guys, I guess, or complimentary guys to Justin Jefferson. I mean, like, I mean, like we, like realistically, we should be talking about like, like how, like such a guard mode type of player from a dynasty perspective. Like, I mean, I mean, like, like I think Blair and I like, are in agreement that it's like Jefferson Chase, and then it's like everybody. Like, it's like you're, I don't know. Like, it's not even like one A, one B. It's just whoever you can get, and then it's everybody else, right? Like, yeah, I hundred percent agree on that. Um, those two guys, um, I'm lucky to have them on the same redraft team in a keeper league right now, and it's just you know. It's it's incredible amounts of fun to look up and see those two guys uh, on your roster every week. So, yeah, um, Jefferson, I, I think somebody said it best last week where he had like six for 90. And it was like, oh, what a quiet performance from Justin Jefferson. It's like that <laughs> six for 90. And we're just, you know, uh, just another day. So today, even, you know, he goes for 190 yards and it's the most this year. And it still seems like everybody's like, oh, you know, yeah, really good game from Justin yeah. Jefferson. <laughs> feels like he left yeah. like he left some yards out on the field like oh, he should have had more yeah like he drew a couple of pass interference calls i think too yeah. um especially one on the final drive there had been another 20 yards or so so i think there's some truth to that he also he also had the greatest catch i think we've ever seen right like the, like like just given the, the situation the ball positioning the fact that he was able to snatch the ball away from the db despite being in the air like I don't think that there's that there's ever going to be a cash. A lot of people saying OBJ cash was better. And like, that's just like nostalgia roasting it like <laughs> lenses bullshit. Right. Like, like um, we saw Pickens do something very similar earlier this year. And then we saw Justin Jefferson do something with a higher degree of difficulty outside of like two different defenders on top of him. And the fact that he's able to adjust and make that play. Um, I was I was actually preseason the whole offseason I was very much team JJ wide receiver one above Cooper Cup. Um I I I'm still optimistic that thesis holds true. Madison, were you on that train with us? I was. Um I had a 
a back and forth with a few folks on that. Uh, and whenever the ADP flipped over an underdog and my, my thing was, I just think Justin Jefferson's a better player. Um, not, no offense to Cooper cup. He's incredible. He's great. Uh, especially versus zone coverage. I don't think there's anybody better. Um, but Jefferson entering the, the peak of his career cup at 29, I think, um, you had the Stafford questions with uh, the, the arm, you had the offensive line questions, Stafford obviously has been fine, um, but the offensive line you've really seen uh, hamper the overall offense. So I, I still think if, if Cup's healthy, it's, it is kind of a 1A, 1B situation. Um, but the youth of Jefferson and the step forward of the Vikings offense is what is what um, I was taking Jefferson ahead of Cup, um, I'd say at least a, a little bit of the time, um, whenever the ADPs were, were Cup first, then Jefferson, and then I just followed after that. So I'm slightly overweight Jefferson. But. Yeah, so, so just to just to mention health, Cooper Cup actually has been removed from the game earlier, like, like a few minutes ago. He uh, had his ankle rolled up on, and that was at the bench for the fourth quarter. I mean, given that this is a – you've got – I mean, the Cardinals are on the third backup quarterback, and I think John Walford is still out there. Um, so, nope. Uh, yeah, it looks uh, – yeah, but John Walford's still out there. Um, so like I think I think they moved they moved uh like cops out. You know, I mean, let's just start with I I don't want to get, get into this game just yet, but 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 to make my point, like I was very much on Justin Jefferson ahead of Cop uh, at all costs, and then also Jamar Chase uh, above Cop at all costs. I drafted accordingly as well. So as a result, I'm very, very underweight Cooper Cup. Um, just I just couldn't get him, you know. You know what I mean? Like there was someone who was always willing to take him earlier, and so I was just unable to get a lot of Cooper Cup. Um, and and again, like to to your point, Cooper Cup's incredible. And like believe me, like uh, at the start of the season, especially when he was going off, I was just so so nervous. Um, it's it's still not you know like really like the best of processes don't so i wouldn't recommend anybody copy me and and, and do that ever again because it's a very stupid idea to, to fade like that um but, but but i will say that it was very difficult and i mean like what, what i found interesting this offseason with adp was dalvin cook was also going fairly early and today he today was really like we saw a vintage dalvin cook you know um, 14 carries, 119 yards, one touchdown. But he had that one. That one touchdown was like an 81 yarder to the house. Right, Madison, do you have it? Like, like what has kept Cook from delivering or repeating these kind of big performances um, on on a weekly basis, like we used to see from him last year? I really think it was uh, more of a decline from him than anything with had to do with the offense. Um, historically, in the past, for all the the advanced metrics showed the evasion rate, yards after contact. Dalvin was always among the best in the league, even when the Viking offensive line was was not uh, was average at run blocking at best. This year, we've kind of seen that fall off. Um, he really hasn't been that guy. Um, but today, at least with that run, I, as I told the buddy I was watching the game with, that's the fastest I've seen him look all year. Um, and I think next gym stats had him at, at 21.7, which is also one of the fastest of the year. He ran away from all the Bills secondary, which includes some, some young fast guys there. So I'm optimistic about Dalvin. He could have had some lingering uh, injury issues. He's played through some stuff like that before where he's not really on the injury report or the shoulder injury lingers and he doesn't always play well through pain. Um, so I do think that, if the Viking Vikings offense is rolling down the stretch, um, his workload obviously still at that 70, 75% snap share rate, he can be a solid RB1 for you for the rest of the year. 
Yeah. I mean, um, and I have no, I have no Dalvin Cook really in any league, so I was drafting <laughs> Stefan Diggs there. <laughs> but I, I do think, I do think he'll be solid for you in redraft for us the year. I think, I think with you know, you you brought him up. So, so, so Stefan Diggs, uh, twelve for one twenty eight on sixteen targets. Gabe Davis six ninety three on 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 nine targets and a touchdown. Um, just wanted to get your read here, Josh Allen. There was a lot of concern about that elbow. In your opinion, did he did he look okay or vintage like Josh Allen? I guess he looked uh, exactly like normal to me. I am not a, an expert on the the health status by any means. It seemed like everybody talked about it as more of like a pain management or a, a, fun, a small functionality type issue. But I couldn't tell the difference. He looked, you know, he was scrambling. He, was, he trucked Eric, Eric Kendricks and a few other Viking defenders. Throws were there. I didn't see any really any accuracy issues from it. It just a couple bad decisions uh, where he didn't see a Vikings defender leading to the picks, um, especially the one, the first one uh, in the red zone was very costly. But he looked, you know, very vintage. I'd expect him to be a full go going going forward, assuming he didn't suffer any type of setback. Um, yeah, one interesting thing I noticed about this game is how much they – I mean, they used Singletary the most uh, in terms of, you know, rushing. Although, I mean, Cook got five carries. But um, it seemed like there was some signal with them bringing in Hines that they didn't, that they wanted to mix things up a little. But with Singletary getting all this work, I mean, what do you make of this backfield now? I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> I, I've, I've had Singletary uh, in a few places most of the year just because, I, I, you know, his price was very low. And the upside of the offense, obviously, incredibly high. So in best ball, both had Singletary and Cook. And I ended up with Singletary a little bit more um, in redraft. And the Bills have consistently told us that they don't think Devin Singletary is a great pass-catching option. The advanced metrics back, back that up. He's been one of the worst, um, one of the least efficient receivers um, in the league. But at the same time, you see him out there. He gets targets. He make guys makes guys miss uh, after those um, on, a, on a decent basis. So we really haven't seen – you know, Cook, the part of the theory of Cook was that Cook would do those type of things, and he really hasn't done that. And then Hines, uh, at least so far, hasn't played a huge snap share in games that you would kind of expect him to play a, a little bit more. When the offense is struggling, they could use a little bit more juice. So I'm not sure. Uh, I think the the way moving forward is you'd like to have, you know, if, you, if you're in a deep league, each of these guys probably deserves to be rostered. In, in a shallow league, it's kind of a wait and see thing on Cook and Hines. You could see one of them down the stretch being valuable uh, if, if Singletary was to go down or they cut his, his snap share. So I think every week is kind of a, a choose your own adventure path. But you know, we're among all the bye weeks, I, th- I think Singletary, you just keep kind of rolling him out there as your RB2 and hoping he runs into a touchdown or two um, as he has a couple times this year. Yeah, I, I, I've had to start Singletary in a bunch of spots and I've just, it's been really such a ride or die. Um, mostly die situation <laughs> like experience with him uh i mean because he doesn't get much in the air he doesn't like if you wanted like you know 11 carries for 37 yards that's just great but that's that's not winning you anything um it, it was nice to see him find bader today here uh twice um josh allen still led the league in terms of rushing yards on much of your touches um uh, it's interesting because like the the Buffalo Bills seem to consider that their biggest need has always been some kind of running back, right? Even today, they elevated Duke Johnson, gave him two touches, and there was nothing. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's just. In, I mean, the one thing that I will say about the Bills and, and what makes them interesting is the fact that 
they're very rightly prioritizing getting the ball in space to playmakers, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're like today was a fairly heavy usage day for guys like Isaiah McKenzie and Dawson Knox too. And this was when they were leading. Um Madis, just wanted to get your thoughts. Like, do you think that they should be prioritizing establishing the run a little bit more? I expected a little bit more today, and they they, they seem like they they kind of started with Singletary, um, and they've done this in some past weeks where they'll they'll ride Singletary. It seems like when when teams come out in those two high shells, and then as soon as they go down, the defense brings the safety down one time. Allen checks out of it, and it's just after that, it's all go. It's Josh Allen time. Um, we're not going to run the ball anymore. We're not going to waste any time, and so I. Th- I mean, it's hard to argue with the results. They continue to put up points almost every week. Um, obviously, they have Diggs. They have Gabe, Knox, McKenzie, like you said. I think Odell, if I was going to choose a team for him to go to, I think that's I think that's the most likely candidate. So I think, yeah, I, I mean, when you have Josh Allen, you know, throw the ball as much as you can unless you, unless you have a lead and then you can run to win at the end. Um, kind of a, an, an ideal analytical um, mindset that the Bills can – are lucky enough to have a quarterback who can do that in a supporting cast uh, that'll, that allows it as well. So, no, I don't. I don't think so. Just throw it, um, and then you see those two high shells. If you want to run efficiently out of it, I think that makes a lot of sense, and that's kind of what we've seen the Bills do so far. Um, we did mention a little bit. Uh, and we were kind of talking before the before we started about Cooper Cup leaving the game with what we're thinking might be people are thinking might be a high ankle sprain. I mean. Obviously, if he is out for an extended period of time, the Rams basically have no other offense. Um, is there some way you'd be looking to play this team in the absence of Cup? Personally, no. Um, <laughs> I guess I guess who if you have a running back, I know I saw Henderson scored today. Um, haven't mod- watched much of this game, but if you know if you have one of the running backs up around a 60, 70 percent snap share, then think that makes some sense is is bi-week fill-in you know low-end flex play but they can't pass block they don't have receivers that can beat man coverage um and that's just going to continue to hamper the offense uh, we've seen mcveigh really slow the pace down really ease off the, the the passing pedal um just trying to shorten the game unfortunately so no i, I don't really think so uh, i think it's uh without him they're they're really in a tough spot hmm I guess I was gonna ask uh, just a little bit to do with to, to, to do here with uh, the running backs, um, <laughs> man. I, I got I got I so so the guy who was considered to be the the great big hope, the one who I always like. If anyone's asked me about this guy, Kyron Williams, and I told you to stay clear, like you should have stayed clear. He's got one carry through for nine yards. What are your thoughts on him? At all, uh, or like, what were your hype? What, what were you thought in the hype at all? The hype machine. I so I started off the year. I was pretty intrigued in the the pre-draft best ball um, with the James White type of profile in an offense that was going to need to throw the ball. Uh, I think shorter, more in my opinion, with the the pass blocking concerns. Then we saw the forty time come out. He ran four seven whatever, and I that's just the threshold that is really hard for to play running back in the NFL. Um, so now, uh, given the state of Acres and Henderson either being especially efficient this year. I, I do think, you know, Kyron might add a little something to the offense and pass catching ability, but the number of touches is slow, so, so low in an offense that's not going to score very many points. I just don't see him being fantasy relevant down the stretch. 
Um, I, you could have some games like today where maybe he gets, you know, three or four carries and gets three or four catches and you're looking at seven or eight points, but not almost no chance at a touchdown every week. So I, I just don't think he's fantasy relevant down the stretch. Yeah, the uh, the guy who is suddenly very, very fantasy relevant is Tyler Higby, though, right? Like he is. Um, he's got all eight of his targets for 73 yards and no scores. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We might need to talk about this guy in a, uh, next. Um, just as a reminder, we do record these when the when the when the late games are still happening. Christian Watson got three of his has got three of his uh, four of his eight targets. I apologize for 107 yards and three touchdowns. Um, didn't see this one coming. <laughs> no. So no. he, I saw the first one. Um, looked like the the pure MVS role where Rodgers just throws it, drops it right into him, touchdown. Um, and I saw him yeah. drop another one, <laughs> which is yeah, he's the, he's really stepping into he's turning into MVS a one for one replacement <laughs> for MVS. Um, yeah, I mean this uh, is who yeah. he is, right? This is who he is. Um, he's this is who bust. they thought they'd be getting. Right, boom bust size speed specimen. He's not going to win um, versus any other route other than go routes and you know crossing routes, but. When he's lined up in, in spots like that, I, I you know that's that's useful. It can happen. So, I think I yeah. moving back to the start of the year. I might have been might have been you, Blair. Somebody at Rodriguez wrote an article calling him um, the the type of prospect that if you're wrong on, you're really wrong on. Um, and we haven't <laughs> seen that so far this year. But we you know the, the physical talent is undeniable. I think so. If he does figure out how to probably. run routes, yeah, that might that sounds that sounds like a sounds car like route. something Connor would say. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, the, the thing, the thing with him versus Dobbs is, uh, it was mostly like a cost thing in the real draft, right? Like, cause, cause like the backers have been exceptionally bad at scouting, at scouting, uh, oh man, they just showed a graphic on TV where like he had like 88 yards through his first four games or whatever healthy. And like, he's just like <laughs> got more than that. This one game, again, this is not what you want out of a second round prospect. Like, like, like the Packers, and, and and you're a Vikings fan, so you would probably know this better than anybody else. The the Packers have really done a really good job of just like really wasting Aaron Rodgers' prime. We, we 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 talk a lot about that here, but none it's not been more evident than the malfeasance that they've committed by simply not picking up or drafting any early round wide receivers. Um, I guess the, the the reason I'm bringing up Watson is: Do you think this is a start of something, or do you think this is like? Just a flash in the pan, one-off performance. Because I'm very much leaning to the latter. 
<laughs> I'd say that's probably my lean, but I wouldn't take, say strongly on that take. Um, we've seen MVS have, you know, one out of every three or four games go off. And I, I don't, I think Watson can do that. I, I don't know. Blair would probably know better than I, his, his, I usually tell him on the, on the, the rookies and prospects. So Blair, what do you think? I mean, the problem with Watson is that he wasn't, like he was athletic, but he wasn't a super productive receiver in college, and that's playing yeah. at an FCS school, right? So um, that's, I think, a, a major red flag and kind of points to him having the sort of role that you're talking about, the MVS type role, where, you know, he'll have this kind of game once or twice a season. Because, um, you know, the guys who who can turn this into something sustainable usually we've seen them do it in college so right. yeah for that reason i'm 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 with you i lean that this is more more noise than signal yeah i i mean one can you know basically very easily argue that he's better in best ball right like it's like the 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 really shitty cliche there um i think he actually cracked yeah he's cracked one of our lineups in, in one of our ffpc teams <laughs> um somehow this is and i'm i i I'm not even, I don't understand it. I'm not going to bother to understand it. This is a team that has only two quarterbacks. They are Kirk Cousins and Trey Lance. So that wasn't a good idea, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and somehow it's actually contending to potentially make make a move for the next for next week. We have uh, Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson's on this team. You know, we just knew all these things yeah. in the preseason. <laughs> Christian, Christian Watson's on this team. The stars are all here. We're, we're making a push. Um, somehow I, I, I don't understand team. it. Yeah. The, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely with you guys. This is such a streaky profile. Um, just from a, from a true start and start set standpoint. And it's also very difficult because uh, I'll be honest, like he, like Watson today has just made his living on like a handful of very, very long catches. Um, like full disclosure, I'm on the Aaron Rodgers under passing yards. And it's a very, very legitimate sweat right now. Uh, and especially, we're probably going to lose it in overtime. Mostly because because of, you know, Christian Watson doing this, right? Like, like just on a handful of on a handful of catches, like just going off. Um, whereas, on, you know, despite Aaron, Aaron Jones going off, 19 carries, 150, 115 yards and a touchdown. Uh, also, you know, catching two, uh, two, both of his targets for 18 yards, you know, scores. This is kind of the guy who people expected Aaron Jones to be. Madison, do you really think this is like like is Jones unleashed like Dalvin as well? Like in in your opinion, do you think that he's like we're, we're back? He's a another another tough another tough one. Um, I think he is the same player. He, I haven't seen the drop off from Aaron Jones uh, this year in any of the advanced metrics. He seemed like he's still solid. Um, the issue is again the overall state of the offense more than it is anything to do with Jones himself. So. If they can get a little bit more consistency in a Rodgers in the passing game, I think Jones does have a similar upside to what he started the year with, probably a little bit less. Um, but again, uh, you can always have the long Aaron Jones touchdown uh, that saves you. So, I mean, he's a start start every week type of guy. Um, I know they have a, a decent schedule in the playoffs, so it's somebody that you you know you can you're going to continue to start and um, every week. And if you and if he scores a long touchdown, you're going to be feeling great about it. If you don't, you're going to have some some struggles where you have those those eight nine carry games with just a few catches. Um, but yeah, overall, I think he's still a solid option. Yeah, he's only got two targets so far in this game, and obviously, 
you know, part of that is just a function of. They're, they're not letting Rogers throw at all, dude. Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, they are running a lot, but also when you're scoring on these quick long touchdowns to Christian Watson, you don't yeah. have to throw as much. Um, yeah. But I mean, yeah, definitely they're, you know, I mean, 19 carries for Aaron Jones, 13 for Dylan. So yeah, they're they're kind of dialing up the run game in this one. But I mean, are you surprised that they're not throwing the ball to Jones more? Someone we've seen look pretty explosive in the passing game in the past. And I mean, this is a team that needs anyone, any warm body who can catch the ball would be helpful. I think they want to. Um, it's more of a question of I'm not I'm not sure whether I believe this, but I think the Packers don't think he can be a, a bell cow type of guy without getting injured. Um mm. And we've kind of seen that in the past where he's had, you know, ankle issues pop up uh, anytime they uh, coming off large touch games. So that's, I think that's the issue. They want to be a run first team. They're going to play slow. So all of that limits volume. And then um, adding on the fact that he's not a, a full-time bell cow, it just kind of caps the receiving a little bit. If Dylan was efficient, more efficient as a rusher this year, um, he's really struggled. Uh, then I think they, we might have a little bit more of the Aaron Jones passing game work with both of them mm-hmm. on the field, but Dylan is just not, not nothing on breakaway runs, just full grind it out for, for three and a half, four yards. So, yeah. On the other, on the other hand, uh, CD lamb is finally doing CD lamb things. Uh, got 13, 10 of his 13 targets so far for 135 yards and two touchdowns. Um, and then Tony Pollard is doing Tony Pollard things, 19 carries, 91 yards and a score. So Tony Pollard is going to be back into a pumpkin, right? When when Zeke is back, or do you expect him to just and or do you expect him to be a viable uh, every day or every week RB two? Um, I don't think he's a pumpkin, uh, but every week RB two is also a little bit of a stretch. I think he's fine. Um, definitely as an RB three flex play, he's fine. As RB two, he's fine if you have a good receiver core and a good team around him, which hopefully a lot of us do. I know I have Pollard on a team where I have AJ Brown, Justin Jefferson, so he's my RB two. And that's it's fine. <laughs> Don't mind that at all, especially when you get weeks like this with Zeke out. But we know Zeke's going to come back. He's going to get those, you know, 10 to 15 touches. Pollard's going to get around, you know, 10 to 12. Um, they're going to continue to split work. But the Cowboys offense with Dak is very effective. They're very efficient usually. So I think he's somebody that um, you're not, you're never worried about rolling him out there. You're just not overly excited about it on the weeks that Zeke is healthy, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. I think that that's probably right. I mean, Pollard... Um, he's looked good the last few weeks. Before Zeke got hurt, he and he and Zeke were about equal in efficiency. So even though you know whenever Pollard touches the ball and you watch him, he looks a lot more explosive than right. than Zeke does. It hasn't quite shown up in the numbers, but if you're watching the games, like it's there's no you know there's no question that he looks better. So um, yeah, I mean hopefully now that he's actually got a chance to kind of prove it and put some numbers behind it, they'll they'll uh, let him continue to get this work. But um, yeah, I mean, all signals from the team are that they, they want to go back to Zeke anyway. So. It just seems like the the breakaway run percentage is, is the main difference. I, mm-hmm. I, I think Zeke's looked okay this year, um, yeah. better than last year. And he, he's getting to the second level some occasionally and finishing runs. He just doesn't have the ability to break off the long touchdown. Yeah. And so, a lot of times, you know, that's the difference between a David Montgomery type player and a Jonathan Taylor type player, and that's just night and day, unfortunately for Zeke. So, um, speaking of guys who cannot get that long run off anymore, DeAndre Swift, six carries, six <laughs> yards, one touchdown, got one of his three targets for six yards. Man, this is like looking like a very much gone year for Swift, right? Like, can you bench him? 
Because I've been start, I started him. The Swift usage to me is the most tilting thing um, in the last few weeks. If he's not healthy, don't play him. Your your team is not competitive. You're two and six, three and six after today. But if he's not healthy, or he has, to, he's he's only healthy enough to split reps with Craig Reynolds and Justin Jackson, then sit him and wait till he's he's healthy. Um, if he is healthy, then he needs more than six touches or, or whatever he had today. I think last week it was like ten snaps. So. It's an, it's an A or B type of situation here. Don't middle it um, like the, the Lions are doing. Um, but, you know, if that's what the coaching staff has decided they're going to do, it's up to, up to us to try to react to that. Um, so, personally, I, I don't see how you, you bench Swift unless you have a really great third running back you're really excited to start. I think Swift versus Pollard is an interesting conversation um, mm-hmm. right now. Um, but, it, man, I mean, uh. it's hard to put Swift on your bench any single week just given the, the upside that he could – the lines get down and he got the pass work. We've seen this story play out many times. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even today it wasn't great, but he got the touchdown. Um, like yardage was a disaster, but at least, you know, you get those six points. So it doesn't, doesn't completely destroy your team. But uh, yeah, I hear you. Like even last week I was in a situation where um, trying to decide to start Swift and I knew he wasn't going to play a lot. I knew he was going to be limited, but still it's like, well, come on, it's DeAndre Swift. He could still get a hundred, hundred yards or something. So yeah. On like the one or two touches, right? Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to clown town population us, man. That's right. <laughs> what did um, you guys, on... uh, what did you guys think about uh, the Justin Fields? I've probably missed it the last week or two, but I'm, I'm sure you guys have talked about it. Is this sustainable? Are we going to see this the rest of the year? <laughs> I don't know. He's just a row, too. man. Right. Yeah, three oh, weeks in a row. Than, like yeah. many weeks in a row. I'm I'm very broke actually. I've been fading ju- like the Justin Fields shock in DFS, and uh, I was right there with you today. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I mean, look, man, it's it's great if you don't like money, right? It's a really <laughs> great. I like faded him last week. I think I came in like bottom fifth percentile. Faded him this week. Bottom 25th percentile. So not bad, not bad. <laughs> we're, we're making our way back there. Still got still got a long way to go before I min cash anywhere. Uh, but there's a very real possibility I'd be bankrupt before I ever min cash again. So, so, <laughs> so, so, so I mean, um, uh, you know, I don't know what to do. Yeah, I mean, I think it is sustainable. And his schedule coming up is not particularly difficult. You know, they go play uh, at Atlanta next week and then at the Jets and then Green Bay at home before the bye. Um, I don't know if any of those teams are really threatening to him. Like, obviously, he's not going to have to throw a ton against Atlanta, maybe. But that, like, who cares about that? Well, that was the story I told myself today with the Lions. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I looked up and he had the fourth most quarterback rushing yards in any game in NFL history. Um, I'm not sure. I, I, I think it's sustainable to this extent. I think he's – I mean, he's running extremely hot on touchdowns and stuff around the red zone. Right. That that should regress, but uh, – there's like, so like That's the thing I wanted to push back a little bit on. I, I know I know you said he should regress, but Khalil Herbert got hurt. Um, do you see them increasing more usage to Montgomery? They're, like, really, a lot of this is coming because, like, Montgomery isn't as explosive as he should be, right? Yeah, I, I think that's – I think that's true. Um it's. I'm not sure with Montgomery. I expect he'd, he'd probably see a little bit more of a, a snapshot increase. But I, if I recall correctly, it was kind of two to one last week, and then 
similar similar type of start for today. I'm not sure what point Herbert got hurt, um, but so Montgomery probably takes a little bit more, and then they have a backup, you know, fill in the last 20%, 25% or so. But as far as fields, it's just it's it almost seems like it's the matchup. I don't want to say the matchup doesn't matter, but yeah. the way he plays is even if you get pressure on him, that's kind of inviting these long runs. He'll take a lot of sacks. Like I think the Lions had three or four today still, but then he busts yeah. off a 60-yard touchdown run. And so for fantasy, we don't care about the sack. Right. <laughs> so it's almost yeah. like even even defenses like the Jets where you'd expect them to get some pressure and it would be a lower scoring game, Fields could easily just break one long run. And, I mean, there you are. So I think pricing for DFS will be interesting. Um, mm-hmm. He's probably going to hit 7K on DraftKings next week. So we're, we're going to start getting up to that elite QB1. You're up there with, you know, Lamar and the guys. So – Pricing might take care of us, might take care of it for us uh, on DFS, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> will we, but will we, will we, will our wallet survive to get there? <laughs> Where is that? <laughs> like, 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 like I'm very, like I'm very close to just shoving all in on these like the Sunday night slate, and then if I lose, if I, if I start bricking that, going all in this on the on the second quarter slate, you know, like just very, very close to making those compounding mistakes. Um, where would you have fields ranked either like redraft next year or in dynasty at this point in terms of wherever for redraft next year, wherever the last uh, dual threat quarterback is taken, I want fields right after that. So behind Mahomes, behind Allen, um, behind Hertz, probably right there with Kyler for me, Mm. Um, but probably Mm. ahead of, probably ahead of, uh, I don't know about Burrow. Burrow might be the exception to the rule there, but ahead of Dak, ahead of Herbert. Um, so maybe around before those guys, but at least around after the Lamar and, and Allen and Mahomes and those type of guys, I'd say. Yeah. I think I'd be in on Herbert a lot more next season. Um, I think he probably he's going to go QB9 next year, and I think I'm going to be very in on that price. Um, mostly because he... The O-line won't be magically fixed, but hopefully Keenan and Mike Williams will be healthy. I mean, like, keep in mind he's doing this without most of those guys, right? So, so, yeah. but but we can we can get to that later because I wanted to talk to you a little bit about another early round. You brought up Kyler, so this is a very good opportunity to actually bring this back around to, to this team that we all love to hate, the Cardinals, who who unleashed James Conner today. 21 carries, 69 yards, two touchdowns, and then also got three of his three targets for 17 yards. So, on the on, on the bright side, on the bright side, Rondell Moore is pretty much unleashed. Thirteen targets, nine nine, nine catches for ninety four yards. Um, do you think that James Conner is going to be like a, this? Is going to be a really run run first heavy iteration of the Cardinals going forward, especially given that Kyler is now dealing with the with that um, hammy issue. I think that's. I think it's likely. Um, I think Conner. Shout out to Ben Gretsch. Talked about it last week where he had, he had seen kind of a bell cow return, unfortunately yeah. for our guy, Eno. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think that, I think as long as he's healthy, the Connor will be that. And I think they, they do want to run the ball uh, effectively there. They don't have a, a great offensive line. They don't have great weapons until Hollywood's back. Obviously Rondell is a good player underneath uh, in the slot and Hopkins is good, but they've, if Kyler's limited, um, I, I think the run, they will, they will try to run the ball as much as they can, um, especially early in games while it's close, um, especially when Connor's effective like, like he's been uh, in the past. So 
we'll see, I guess the health of Kyler really is the the biggest question of that. If they get Kyler and Hollywood back in a week or two, then, you know, I think they're, it's going to be hard for us to just turn around and hand it to James Conner when you have those three guys. Um, but if they're out or, or limited for a longer period of time, we could see a, a nice stretch here for James Conner. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, I think the big difference between Connor this year and Connor last year is like the opportunity cost and price, like where you had a draft and where you just had to swallow and like hold your nose and take him. He's been, it's been largely disappointing, but to be fair, so has literally every other Arizona Cardinal not named Marquise <laughs> Brown, but even then he got hurt. So um, uh, speaking of other um, disappointing running backs, he had to take early Jonathan Taylor today, got, carried the ball 22 times for 147 yards in the score. He also had caught both of his targets for 16 yards. So Madison, uh, so Jeff Saturday and the boys, they did it, man. They came out and they beat uh, the Raiders on the road. Raiders uh, slumped uh, pretty badly here. Um, so I guess what, my, my question is, you know, Jonathan Taylor, looks like his health issues are behind him. You know, do we see him actually start coming on down here, especially down the stretch? And is he going to be, do we get to see a lot more of the Jonathan Taylor of old? I think I think so. Uh, I think that JT is, is obviously one of the most talented players in the league when he's healthy. Yeah. They're going to attempt to establish the run uh, with Jeff Saturday, head coach, um, especially if you have you have Matt Ryan there, um, more of the, the game manager type environment going on for him. I think so. Um, I think JT's floor should be slightly higher too with, with Hines gone. Maybe he sees some more of the third down work. I know uh, they have Zach Moss and a few others there. We'll see what those guys factor in, but they're all much, much less talented than JT. I think the, the biggest question is is the same as the, the question we had entering the year is what's the ceiling on the Colts offense? Is this an offense that can consistently score points? Um, so if you don't have the long Taylor runs, what does that look like for him? So I think he continues to be um, kind of a low-end RB1 where you have some some disappointing uh, RB2, low-end RB2 type performances, but then you also have days like today where he can potentially win you win you the week on, on one one run. So it uh, will be interesting to see down the stretch, especially with obviously is, is Jeff Saturday and, and the boys, as you put it, uh, see what they what they coach up for the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, but like, uh, you know, something has to be said for the fact that like these guys like just sort of walked in here and beat an NFL head coach and Josh McDaniel, right? Like, like, do you think that like McDaniels should be fired? I mean, is, is, is Josh McDaniels an NFL head coach is my question for that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've seen I mean, no I mean, evidence of that. Yeah. But like, Jeff, like the only experience Jeff Saturday had was like coaching high school. I, like, I, I thought it was a little bit overblown um, for that. Yeah, just because nah. you, have, you have the rest of the support, the rest of the coaching staff in place. Saturday yeah. is going to come in do the, the leader of men routine, which I think he's actually pretty well qualified for that. Um, so as long as he's going in and delegating early on to the guys who've been there, who know the, the personnel, who know the schemes and all that. I, it, I mean, obviously it was disrespectful, but in terms of like what it actually means for the Colts, I didn't factor it in too much. Um, so you didn't hear anything from the players really about it. They all, you know, they said it was weird and yeah. unfortunate, but they didn't, there wasn't anything like, oh, we're not going to play hard for this guy. Who is this guy? Um, he's a Hall of Famer, <laughs> so he That's has true. some street cred. So it probably shows. I mean, this proves more kind of what Madison was getting at is that we kind of overrate how important head coaches really are for team success. At least I don't know, man. Jeff, in in you know on any given Sunday, right? I mean, on any on any small sample, it's a bad team that they're playing against. Um, they have a you know they have a, ta- a decently talented uh, team. So, yeah. 
I don't know, man. Like, I think one of my, uh, like, like, like Jeff Saturday coaxed a 39 yard rush out of Matt Ryan, man. Like, if this is what they mean by establishing the run, I'm all for it. I'm not, I didn't know Matt Ryan could run that far, to be honest with you. At this point, I, didn't, I didn't think he could. I didn't, I just, he, this is, might be his career long run. He just needed That's a few weeks to off to, for his body to right. reset. <laughs> Uh, on the other on the other side of the ball for the Raiders, like Josh Jacobs continues to just get fed in the passing game. Caught six of his eight targets for twenty eight yards, twenty one carries, seventy eight yards, and a score. Man, this is like a guy who I actually wish I had a lot more of mm-hmm. late in the season because of where he was going. It was just so so gross to really click the aim, and it was like part of it was just buying in. You you had to pass on a bunch of quarterbacks and a bunch of high upside wide receivers. Um, do you easily, have a lot of Josh Jacobs? Easily my biggest miss of the year. Um, yeah, easily, and it, it it's frustrating because it was, I think, somewhat predictable. It was, it was Leonard, very similar to Leonard Fournette from the year before, where yeah, we saw him do the pass count, have the pass down role, and then we told ourselves a story about how he couldn't really do that and wasn't that efficient. Um, and then we, you know, we the preseason game came, and they were like, "Oh my God, Josh Jacobs is out there," and Zabir White. Yeah, the, the ADP oh. just plummeted. And that's the point where it should have been for me. It's like this bet is free. He is now a zero RB candidate that is starting. Um, yeah. And I didn't do that. Uh, I, I, granted, that was, it's because I was mostly hammering Ramondre Stevenson there, so it's worked out okay. But yeah. um, it, it's frustrating. I, I turned down a, a Josh Jacobs for Elijah Moore trade on a zero RB team to start the year no. for each of the first oh, four weeks. No. <laughs> for each of the first four weeks. Um, so uh, no, that's been a pretty, a pretty huge, huge mistake. Um, so yeah, I, I do think Sean's uh, written and, and, and I think we've looked at the schedule on him. He does have a, a relatively tough schedule coming up, but the floor obviously is just so high with the passing down work that he's getting. Yeah. It's just, uh, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a tough trade loss to take uh, or just not hit except on the one, the one that I did, except was Tyreek Hill for Javante Williams. And then I watched as Javante Williams got hurt on Thursday night. And then I was like, oh, it'll be fine. And now Tyreek Hill is being ranked as a consensus wide receiver one. And I'm like, that's how you just, that's how you lose fantasy leagues. Like that's like, that's like, that's a trade that'll lose your fantasy. Never, right never trade for running backs. Is the yeah. You gotta, you gotta turn in your, your zero RB card there. Hassan. That's I have to. <laughs> it was, it was, it was also a shallow league, right? So five man benches, 10 team league. It's like, I could get away with this. I've, I've made that mistake in the past. You know, look at you, look yeah. at your receivers. You're like I have, I have five great receivers and you trade one like, and then another one gets hurt. And you're like, I'm, <laughs> I've quickly lost all all semblance of what I started with. So yeah, yeah, like it's it's uh, it's a it's a tough tough scene there. And again, maybe the Elijah Moore for Josh Jacobs trade in hindsight is like one of those that you just sort of wish you'd hit snap except on because the usage concerns there for Elijah Moore were right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like the, it, by the by week three or four um, is when I was like, okay, you know. Maybe this offense this be- is just is just that bad. But at the same time, Elijah Moore, everything screamed that he was going to be a, a classic second year breakout wide receiver before the season. Oh God, yes. He didn't have another teammate high on on the list. Um, he had he had looked PFF charted him highly. All the the target per route run stuff, yards per route run, he smashed. Um, he did this with multiple different quarterbacks. All of the, all of that um, without even factoring any any possible step forward for Zach Wilson. So. 
knowing the profile of that, it was not the upside of that is not something I was, I was willing to give up on. I mean, he easily could be a, he could be having the, the Chris Olave type season or the Garrett Wilson season. I firmly believe that. I think he's talented. Um, I'm excited about him going to the slot. I think that that could help yeah. him a little bit. But the bigger difference is, is just that, hey, Josh Jacobs is a low end RB1, and you trade your high upside wide receiver three for a low end RB1. <laughs> um, that's the thing you do. And so that was more of my stake, I think, is on Jacobs than, than Elijah Moore. At least we'll see. Um, it could be a, a bad rest of the year for Moore, and you know, he just may, may not be the guy we thought he was. No, I. I'm just optimistic on more as a, as a player. It's just so hard to believe that that guy who we saw last year just doesn't exist anymore. I'm not willing to believe that. I am. I am optimistic. You said about this, all this talk about them moving him to the slot. I think that's going to be a net, a net positive, hopefully for more. He did a lot of his damage out of there in college. Yeah. And so, and so we should, we should be hopefully seeing some of that. Um, just another game that I did want to get some of your takes on. I mean, you mentioned Chris Olave, but on the other side of that ball, we saw George Pickens. He's starting to really come in on his own. I mean, he's we're still waiting on like the true explosion, uh, offensive explosion there um, in Pittsburgh. Here, do you think it's coming at any point? I personally don't think so. Um, I like Pickens as a prospect, I, but I think that there are a lot of mouths to feed there on offense that's pretty limited. Uh, I know they have a nice schedule coming up. They've played a really tough schedule so far, so that would be the argument for him is that you get the the late-season rookie push combined with a softer schedule. Um, but Deontay is going to command you know, inefficient targets, but he is going to command some targets. Fryermuth will command some red zone targets. Uh, obviously, they're still going to split the work between um, Najee and Warren. So I think days like today are kind of what you're looking for at Pickens where he gets a, a short touchdown. Um, and then I, I do think he has the occasional boom bust long, uh, long reception in him. That's kind of what he's profiled as so far. So I, you know, I don't hate him. I'm not somebody I, I want to start every week, but as a bye week fill in or if you're in a really great matchup or something, and then potentially as a low, a, a, a cheaper option in DFS, that's kind of where I, I see him going forward. Yeah. They play Cincinnati at home next week. So it'll be really interesting to see, um, see what this team looks like when they're uh, maybe forced to throw a little bit more. Um, but I, I pretty much agree that there's a lot, you know, there are actually a lot of weapons here and a quarterback that maybe isn't at the level to get them right. all, uh, the ball enough times or in enough good situations to where they need, where you need them to, uh, to pay off. But, um, I'm, you know, Pickens has shown a lot of flashes this year, so I'm pretty excited for what he's going to end up being maybe not this year but i'm excited for next year certainly and even yeah we we should probably get i don't know 10th round george let 10th 11th round george pickens next year in best ball and that's something i'll be interested in especially if you have deontay going in the you know sixth round or something like that i think we could that's that's a bet that i think is is worth making some yeah, I just have a weird fear that people are going to be like, like, I think you could see like Deontay going in the sixth and then like Pickens going in the seventh. I think that you could see that happening. Even if it's just Pickett, or do you, you think they have to take a quarterback like a Bryce? No, Miller? no, even with Pickett. I'll be surprised. Um, I'll be surprised, but I, I mean, I guess you could look at Lockett and Metcalf this year and make the argument that if they're both that talented, it's not too far off from that with yeah. horrible expectations for the offense, so. Yeah, and oh, who do you prefer dear. in that case? Um, Deontay still probably. Deontay still, yeah, but I want both. I'm taking Pickens all day, baby. I know you are. I just <laughs> second, your, second your receiver trend uh, is definitely is definitely yeah. your calling card. But 
I don't know. Deontay is good, right? Like he's a, I, I still yeah. think he's, it's just, yeah. Uh, I think, I think you are just going to take whoever you can get. You'd probably want one of the, one of the two. I think the mistake that I made this year was just not trying to get one or get more exposure to Metcalf and or Lockett at any, mm-hmm. like at, at where I could get him. Lockett was wild to me. Um, I mean, I didn't have any expectations for Gino being anything like this, yeah. but I mean, we saw, we've, we've seen Lockett elevate some bad quarterbacks before he was fine down the stretch with Gino last year, same with Metcalf. So he's going to pick 100 and he's one of the most efficient receivers in the league. That just seemed like crazy to me. Um, Metcalf, I had a little bit of, he was one of those guys whose ADP would, you'd look up and you're like, how is his ADP still this high? Every time mm-hmm. I, I'm drafting, it's, yeah. he's yeah. going 12 spots past ADP. Um, so uh, yeah, both have been solid this year, um, but Lockett was really one to me. It just didn't make any sense. I mean, Sky Moore or, or Tyler Lockett, what are we doing here? <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. This was a very, that was like in hindsight, such a, such an easy layup like decision to make. Right. Um, Question for you yeah. guys um, mm-hmm. related to receivers and, and quarterback plays. So Jacksonville, I continue to be bullish on Trevor Lawrence um, as a as a passer. His EPA has been and CPOE has been pretty high this year. He struggled in the red zone, obviously, but we've seen him put together some some really solid performances uh, late lately. Um, I think it's mostly has to do with the weapons he has. Is it, do you guys are he has an easy schedule now, a tough one in the playoffs. What do you guys think about him uh, for the rest of this year? Yeah, uh, yeah, good question. <laughs> I think I'm fairly bullish on on Lawrence too. I think, I mean, yeah, I still think his weapons are gonna limit him quite a bit. When you're when the best receiver you're throwing to is Christian Kirk, and there's not, you know, not a ton else. And I like Christian Kirk, but um, you know, obviously you want some more explosive options in that offense. Um, they got him coming next year, though. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the hope. That's right. the hope. <laughs> I have seen a lot of a lot of uh, first round wide receivers mock to Jacksonville, so we'll see. Um, but I mean, yeah, their schedule. You know, they play bye in week eleven, but then Baltimore and Detroit in back to back weeks, and those are both games where you could easily see pretty high scores put up. So, yeah, and and Lawrence has been showing off his wheels. He also has that ability, like to get those like. Um, I'm heavily invested in ETN, so it's very frustrating, but he does have that ability to vulture touchdowns uh, at the end. So I think this is going to be a very nice stretch for for Trevor Lawrence. Also, the Dallas-Green Bay game just ended with uh, Green Bay pulling out a vintage, insanely lucky dub mm-hmm. at the end. Wow. Just a ridiculously lucky win. At one point, at one point like Dallas's win probability was 96%. Like <laughs> all timer, <laughs> um, but uh, but I did want to get your thoughts, Madison, on 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 uh, what are you hoping to see from tonight's game, uh, which is the which is the Chargers and the Niners, and then also tomorrow night's game, uh, the e uh, the Commanders and the Eagles. Yeah, tonight, um, the usage between Kittle, Debo, Ayuk, and McCaffrey, and the the play calling for the 49ers. I think it's, and we've, we've seen them tick up a little bit in the end pass rate of our expectation um, since they've had McCaffrey. I think that sticks. I think that they know they have 
the arguably the best set of playmakers in the NFL and they want to get them in space and that slamming Christian McCaffrey into the line of scrimmage is not um, the best use of the resources. So I'm, I'm, I'll watch tonight to see if, if that's the way they operate, if they, they really try to shift to just a, a full short passing game with a bunch of yak um, more so than they have in the past where they've still been run first on the 49ers side on the Chargers side. I don't know. It's been so frustrating. Um, look up and see Josh Palmer and, and Gerald Everett and, and those guys is the, the DeAndre Carter, DeAndre <laughs> Carter. Um, I, Gerald Everett was my most on tight end in best ball. So it's been good from that standpoint. Um, but I had also Kai, I had a nearly full chargers fade going on. Um, so Austin Eckler has been uh, frustrating to not have. So mm. I guess mostly for tonight, just to see um, how Herbert looks, continues to look, if Eckler continues to get the, the goal line stuff. That's the one thing we really haven't seen from him so far is all his, all his touchdowns have come from a little bit further out. So if we do see him come in tonight and get a couple carries from inside the five, and I mean, it's wheels up overall RB1 season for Eckler um, rest of the way, I think. Yeah, I was just about to say, I'm kind of, what one thing I kind of would like to see is like maybe they use Eckler as a receiver more and they get Isaiah Spiller in, get him some touches, which would be pretty interesting. But uh, yeah, obviously that goal line work for Eckler too would be would be pretty big. Isaiah Spiller going the the Rashad Penny route of uh, the guy you must have in the best ball playoffs after exactly uh, dust balling for the first eight weeks would be a fun <laughs> uh, fun storyline. The zero, the, the zero RB haters would never recover after that. Well, that, that would end them. It would, it would, um, I will say what is interesting is the fact that we're going to see RB1, like potentially the over the, the RB1 versus the RB1 tonight in Eckler versus CMC, right? Like, and it's a game where probably, I mean, with Allen and Williams both out, you see both these teams relying on the running backs. I think I think uh, the Niners are not going to rely on CMC as heavily because Debo is back. Yeah, right. That's I, that's definitely one pathway. I, I I mean it could bounce back week to week too. Yeah, um, based on on matchup and, and whatnot. But I mean the I mean you look up the 49ers, It's just so hard to defend them right now. Mm. I don't I don't know how you. I mean Shanahan, all the shifts and motion that Shanahan throws out there too. It's just, I mean, Ayuk's going to get one-on-one deep targets. Kittle's going to be isolated Kittle. on the linebackers and safeties. If you don't, if you try to put somebody else on Kittle, then you're going to probably have McCaffrey on a linebacker. It's just so difficult. Um, yeah, it, it yeah. Be fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Tonight, I'm, and I'm just hoping that the Chargers' offense is there uh, for it, right? Um, I need, I need kind of a miracle game out of like CMC to to win like a matchup. I mean, if we get like 21 points. So a little, a little, a little tricky there. Um, from tomorrow night, I'm just, uh, I'm just happy to see AJ Brown play football again. <laughs> I, I, I've got nothing. Like there's just nothing. Like, like the last time these two teams squared off was in Washington, and that ended 24-8. Mm. It was over at the half. Like Philadelphia had scored twenty, like all 24 of those points they scored in the second quarter, and that was it. Remember, I don't, I don't know if you guys remember that. Yeah, no. Um, I've kind of shoved the, the any any commander football game out from memory as much as possible. Yeah, like they just it was when it was when like the Eagles just went like ham. They just like dropped like a ton of points to them, and then they sat their entire offense in the second half. Yeah, that's uh, that's probably what I'm looking for the most is some game where the Eagles are pushed. We really have not yeah. seen them get pushed yet, and when they yeah. they they just they take the take their foot off the gas in the second half because they've been able to. Um, yeah. 
Well, I don't know when it's coming. Man. Their schedule's super easy. I guess it's maybe Dallas, yeah. maybe the the next one where they really have to. But whatever game that is, yeah. That so, so that so that won't happen until like Christmas Eve. <laughs> oh, cool. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you so here here's the Eagles' schedule for the rest of the season: hosting the Commanders at the Colts, hosting the Packers, hosting the Titans at the Giants at the Bears. Bears, Bears could be fun. Bears. But that's not until Week 15, though. So. Kind of um, <laughs> man, who would have thought? Is that Eagles? The first, Eagles Bears is a stack we need in first round of the playoffs. Then for most leagues, I guess is Bears Eagles. That's actually yeah. That's actually pretty intriguing. Yeah, that's a tough, tough, and this all is con- contingent on Justin Fields not turning back into a pumpkin, right? Yeah, yeah. Like there's a there's a lot of heart and throat like feelings here it is it, it, it is frustrating because i've got a lot of like eagles double stacks and just a lot of pieces of the eagles offense across every team and knowing that there's like yet another gear that they could have been on is frustrating that and I'm, i won't get to see it we won't get to see like or at least appreciate it because a lot of these teams are not going to push them that hard yeah well i mean washington has put up put up some points in a few games haven't they Maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll see yeah, some I, fireworks tomorrow. I'm I'm optimistic because Jahan Dotson's back, right? Right, and he's he's kind of like gonna hopefully open up the underside of this offense. Right. So yeah, could be a good game. Could be a good game. All right. Anything else we need to touch on before we call it a night? No. Big stories. I'm forgetting. Big injuries. I don't remember. Not from today. Like, Mostly just... like Jefferson was gonna hurt his hamstring on a celebration. Did you see that? He did. He, he did get me with that. Yeah, I had to quickly check Twitter, and then I saw all the uh, the one, the uh, gifts of J- Jamar Chase doing the fake hammy pull. I was like, ah, okay, the fake, uh, yeah. yeah. There we go. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, if you're not already, then please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Leave a rating and review on the podcast channel. Um, special thanks to our guest Madison Parkhill. You can find him on Twitter at Madison Parkhill. I have that right. You got it right. There you go. Perfect. All right. Um, He's a very sharp follow. Please go and follow him. Very, very sharp tweeter. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Give him a follow. Uh, Till next time, we'll talk at you later.